0: There's just so much more to hear.
1: Download our podcast at dubaii 1038com Drive Live. Talks Legal.
0: So our guest today, as usual, Ludmilla Yamalava from Yamalava & Pethka. Ludmilla, always lovely to see you. How are you? It's good to be here, thank you. Weathering the heat,
2: slowly but surely.
0: What kind of, I feel like we've we've gone over the bump, the worst of it. It's, it's, it's going gonna to gonna get better. I feel better. like I'm still on top of that bump. <laughs> Well, that's a whole different reason, Lude Miller. And you are at liberty to talk about that on the radio or not, depending on if you want to. I'd prefer not. Okay. So it is quite warm still. We're all sort of, you know, getting there. But Lude Miller, we have always lots to talk to you about. So uh, we have a couple of questions we had last week that we're going to start with. Actually, this first one uh, is anonymous. It says, I moved into a new apartment and when signing the contract, we were told that a snag list of issues raised would be completed. Our contract states the landlord should give us a property in good standard. However, it wasn't delivered that way. We've waited three weeks to get the uh, AC or chiller fixed and integrated appliances, including washing machine, fridge, freezer and a few other things don't work. She's refusing to comply with the contract to fix them and is ignoring... Uh, the tenants and the letting agent. So uh, it's the understanding of the agent. She's going through a very difficult time personally. And due to this, she said she didn't read the contract fully when signing, so won't comply with all the details they've included in it. Fortunately, the letting agent did carry out full inventory uh, beforehand. The damage that was done already has been registered, but there's sort of an impasse. She won't fix it. And she won't comply with the contract. She has cashed the first cheque, but the letting agent has our second one. Where would we stand if we wanted to terminate the contract early?
2: Well, as you can appreciate, it's a it's a multifaceted question, and it really comes down to the um, uh, a contract between two individuals or two parties, the landlord and the tenant, and the terms of the contract. So, as you said, the in relevant terms, the for the purposes of this exercise, the, the snag list is the term of the contract that's that's of most relevance, and that is there was a clear understanding between the parties as to what things needed to be done in order for that contract to actually uh, to to be accepted, uh, and so it's it's good news that there was a snag list, um, and uh, it's unfortunate that uh, the snag list was not implemented prior mm-hmm. to the move in. Uh, that being said, it's actually a fairly common arrangement, and the reality of the market here is that this is done all too often. And therefore, I'll uh, I'll give some advice just uh, as a general comment. If you can't avoid moving in before the the snag list has been complied with, that's always better for you because otherwise you end up... Uh, at an impasse as Natalie said uh, but um, in the very in the very worst if timing is of the essence uh, or the landlord which is often the case is not in the, in the UAE and so is not as, as reachable you want to make sure that the that the uh, snag list is very clear mm. and that actually has a timeline as to by by which the landlord is supposed to comply with it because often the snag list will be detailed in terms of the things that need to be fixed but not so much the timeline by which yeah. it needs to be fixed one and two what happens if that timeline is not met. And obviously because Snaglist refers to various ma- maintenance issues uh, attached to the property. Some of these issues can be very important, such as air conditioning, mm-hmm. and especially in this kind of weather. If the timeline for these kind of snag issues is not clearly set out and the recourse for uh, falling um, uh, past the timeline is not spelled out, then it becomes you know, truly the issue becomes of an, one of an impasse. Um, so the good thing here is that there is a snag list. Now, what do you do? Because the people have already moved in, and the landlord, for whatever reason, either is, is not um, – uh, is not honoring the snag list or for her own personal reason is not able to. Uh, so there, really there's there's two options. One is if you consider it uh, a severe breach of contract because it is a, a term of contract mm. that uh, by the sound of it is a material term to a contract. So if mm. it is a material term to the contract and you really you're – the it becomes sort of unbearable to live in the property, then you can consider uh, terminating the contract early. And it would be on the grounds that the landlord had breached first. In other words, yeah. they breached, and so therefore you would be able to uh, to get a refund of your, um, of, of your costs um, that you had incurred so far. Uh, and um, depending on the gravity of the issues, and let's say if the AC is not working, it's pretty severe, especially in these kind of conditions. So you could claim a refund of the full amount, even the amount... Uh, of time that you actually spent there. So that's obviously one recourse. And then you move out. Now, it's easier said than done, because uh, since, as you said, the landlord has already cashed uh, six months of rent. So trying to get money back from the landlord under the circumstances is probably not realistic. Plus, you still need to find alternative arrangement and yeah. perhaps go through the same um, kind of set of issues. So perhaps a better option would be um, either just to just document every document everything in terms of a case so this is what we agreed on this is where you have gone wrong as a landlord you have breached and therefore you have two options either you as a tenant fix those issues but you give the landlord reasonable time uh um, to to fix it herself, and you also make sure that at least you provide kind of in advance reasonable quotes because there's always that argument, well, I could have fixed it for 100 dirhams and you spend 1,000 dirhams. So, But if you give the landlord, if you document everything and give them reasonable time to respond and reasonable time to basically or opportunity to choose between the contractors, then they don't really have an argument afterwards to come back and say, well, I could have done it for cheaper and so and then you can offset the value of, of those expenses either from at the end of your lease or or perhaps uh, when uh, when the next check comes in or kind of throughout if the landlord is reasonable he or she should not be opposed to uh, compensating you for these kind of expenses uh, so basically, that's, that's one option. The other option, if it's significant enough, especially the expenses that you have incurred in in snagging, uh, in complying with the snag list, and the landlord is not compensating you for this, so your only other option is actually to go to RDC, the, the Rent mm. Dispute Committee, and file a case uh, against the landlord for compensation of these expenses. But I would say... A better option since you, the, the person yeah. just moved in. You want to be able to enjoy the benefits of the property, so just better document mm. uh, the issues right now, also because there could be f- uh, more issues in the future. And then just make sure that you have sufficient documentation. At the end of the lease, you can present it either uh, by virtue of extending your lease yeah. um, or um, filing a taken case to the rent committee and expecting them to or requesting them to compensate you then. And also, it also it's very important because, as you said, uh, part of the agreement is that upon move out, the tenant is supposed to uh, deliver the property in a very yeah. different mm. condition from where the property is right now. So you need to have that evidence for that reason as well, uh, if for now the reason, but to also make sure that you rec- um, that you receive your deposit back.
0: And um, just interestingly, they say here that the 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 landlord has cashed the first check, but the letting agent has the second one. Would it be plausible then to get these things fixed and take it off the second... Check, or is that something that would be in breach of the contract? Also, uh,
2: not necessarily. It depends on how the landlord behaves herself or himself yeah. between now and then. Again, under the contract laws of the UAE, and it's very similar to other uh, countries' laws of the other countries, is that if the other party breach first, it does give you an excuse not to comply with your side of obligation mm-hmm. until they have uh, uh, corrected their performance. In this case, it's certainly something you could uh, request. Uh, the issue, obviously, is that what role does the real estate agent here uh, plays? Is 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 he on the side of the tenant or the landlord? So obviously it'd be better for all parties concerned to agree with the landlord, uh, with the letting agent and have uh, the tenant reissue the check with the relevant offsets. Uh, but often it's the, the, letting, the letting agents find themselves bit in sort of in, in between and, and forced to act as arbiters, which they're not in position to. And so it's they, they prefer that the parties go and battle out the issues between each other before yeah. they actually uh, commit to one side or the other.
0: OK, we have an anonymous caller on line number one with a query about a villa rental situation. So good afternoon.
3: Yeah, hi. Good afternoon. Thanks hi. for uh, taking my call.
0: No problem. Do you want to uh, give your question to Miller?
3: Yeah, sure. So I've been living in the U.E. for over six years, and this is the first time this has happened to me. Um, I currently moved into a new villa, a new property, and I uh, used, obviously, one of the agencies to do so. I signed the contract with a two-check uh, rental agreement. The first check was cashed properly. There was no issues on that. And then I noticed after six six months that the second check uh, was not not deposited. So I waited a couple of weeks and then the seventh month came around and the eighth month came around. So I got a little bit worried. Uh, I reached out to the agency and they reached out to the landlord and they came back and told me that he had lost the check. Um, I've looked at the contract and I don't see anything about a lost check. I see penalties on my end for a bounce check. So my question is legally, what can I do uh, in this situation?
2: Uh, it's it's an interesting question, and uh, it's, it's, it's actually a great question because we haven't really answered it on the show before. Um, in many ways, it's very simple. Um, so at this point, you have done nothing wrong. You have signed the agreement. You've issued the payments. Um, so you're in compliance. So obviously the landlord has to, just, just because the landlord has not cashed the check, that's really not your problem for all intents and purposes. Uh, so the landlord first has to come to you and request. Uh, first of all, make a statement as to why. Uh, he's requesting a replacement, a replacement of the check and ask you for replacement of the check. Uh, so okay. because until then, you, I mean, on whose representations are you relying and why? How do you know that the check has been lost? Um, right. So I would say, first, you need to have that documented, that there is an issue with the check and, and it's and that's um, allegedly been lost. Second, uh, now, as a, as a tenant, just because even though there is no provision in the contract itself about what happens if the landlord che- uh, uh, loses the check... Uh, It's less contractual than legal. You are still getting the benefit of living in the property. So even if the landlord, let's say, behaved himself or herself negligently and lost the check, that's really Mm -hmm. not an excuse for you not to pay um, the the, the remainder of the lease because you are still getting the benefit of the property. So legally speaking, you're still required to pay now, but how do you ensure yourself that you pay, uh, but don't pay double? Uh, so the way to do it is that if the landlord says that the check is lost, then he has to go to the police and uh, and make a complaint that the check was um, lost. And so then the police issues a lost check uh, statement or document. And then, mm-hmm. uh, and then with that document, once you have a copy of the document, you ask for the original, obviously, then you can, so in good faith, uh, you can issue a new check for the remainder. Now, let's Say the check uh, reappears at some point in time. Legally speaking, the landlord is required to notify the police that they have uh, rediscovered the check or they have found the check. Uh, or okay. they can just they can just destroy it. But legally speaking, if the che- they do find the check, then they they have to destroy it. And then let's say in the event, uh, for whatever reason, either, either because of bad faith or just pure uh, pure uh, forgetfulness, the landlord cashes that check. Then that the police report um, that you have um, is uh, prima facie evidence, obviously, that you don't owe that money, and that there is n- you know, no criminal case or no other case will be brought against okay. you because of that uh, police statement. So make sure to get a police statement from the landlord.
4: I just wanted to add, Ludmilla, as as far as I'm aware as well, most checks are only valid for six months from the date on them. It actually states that on the back of a lot of checks. You
2: know, it's actually a very interesting illegal question. Yes. Well, there's... Usually, yes, it's six months in practice. Mm. By law, in mm-hmm. fact, checks are valid for two years. Oh, really, by law, okay. e- even longer by law. So, but in would practice, you recommend
3: for me to uh, to bring this to my bank also, as for them to keep it on file, the, the the copy of the police report, just in case, in a couple of years when I do decide to leave the UAE, there's nothing in my track history that would come back to this check. That's that's the only thing that I'm worried about. Even though if I have a police report, for am sure. I good enough?
2: For sure, yeah, this police report will cover you. Uh, that being said, okay. if somebody does present the check that does not mean that it will not be cashed uh, mm-hmm. somehow by mistake, but if, as long as you have that police report, um, you will be cleared immediately. Now, with regards to the bank, absolutely, just paper the record, give a copy of that the police statement to whatever other authorities you think might um, might come into play, but uh, just manage your expectations because when you do when you do leave, it's mm-hmm. it's, it's several years from now. I'm, these documents often get either misplaced or filed away. So, oh yes, of course. Yeah, so you just need to make sure that you at least keep the original um, with you.
3: Okay, great. Well, thanks a lot for your for your answer. That that clears my mind up. So now I can now I can engage the landlord as far as he's his. his because he had requested for me to go with him to the police uh, station. But I think I'd rather have him go and do that.
2: You don't need to go with him at all. You do not need to. It's it's just him. He has to go, or he can have somebody who has a power of attorney from him. Um, So it's a fairly simple exercise, and it's very fast. Um, Yeah, no,
3: great. I have no problem. I mean, to your point, you know, it it is a straight point. I have no problem with reissuing a check. I just wanted to make sure that I'm legally covered and I'm not doing anything in the wrongdoing uh, a couple of years from now when I do decide to move on. So... You you did answer my question uh, and to the, I mean, it was perfect. It's okay. now no doubt in my mind.
0: Okay, really Good interesting luck. question okay. as well. Thanks for calling. Thank
3: you guys. Bye-bye. Take care.
0: Bye. Best of luck.
3: Drive Live talks legal.
0: We are talking legal on Drive Live today. Our guest as usual, Ludmilla Yamalova from Yumanova and Plethka. And lots and lots of your questions to get through at the minute. Emma, you have a question there.
4: That's coming on the SMS yet. It says, hi, I have a post-dated check issued by someone which was bounced later as an account had been closed by the issuer. I registered a case with the police, which was then transferred to CID. After many months to and from CID, still no luck with this. Uh, please, can you advise me what I should do next?
2: Well, the issue of um, bounced checks has changed recently uh, with the introduction of a new law that came in last year where now checks below 200,000 dirhams are no longer punishable by jail sentence. So therefore, it has sort of changed the equation in terms of... um uh, reliability or parties reliability on checks because in the past when the checks were punishable by jail sentence parties just were forced to pay because it's <laughs> to avoid being in jail uh, now anything below 200,000 is no longer punishable by jail but that's not to say that it's still not an offense uh, either civil or criminal to uh, to bounce a check mm. it's just it's not as easy in terms of leverage and uh, to get the other side to pay so in in this particular case a bounce check is a bounce check so it's an obligation uh, so, if, if somebody gave you a bounce check, that's an obligation. They have to owe you that amount of money. Uh, the way to do it. So, with uh, in the past, most of the bound checks were always resolved through the criminal uh, through the criminal route, and that's because of this the the, um, the threat of the jail sentence. Most of the time, the parties would come forward and actually would pay the check. Uh, now, uh, under the new law, if it's below the two hundred thousand, then there is no jail sentence, but there is a penalty. Mm. But the penalty is a fairly minor. And this is because this we're talking about the criminal um, side of things. The uh, penalty is anywhere from five to ten thousand dirhams, and the penalty usually goes you know to so part. At least part of it to the authorities, uh, because it's a criminal route. Now, <clears throat> when you have something like that, uh, with a statement from the criminal court that yes, there's a bounced check, and there's a penalty, that document also becomes uh, valuable by way of filing a civil case. Because then you still, even though your check has bounced and and the person no longer goes to jail, it doesn't mean that they're out, they're free with the obligation. Mm-hmm. What you do with that report from the criminal court or the prosecutor? Uh, you go to the civil court, and then you rec- you you ask for um, the reimbursement of um, of of the payment. Uh, so that's basically the route now. It's okay. you know, before it was always actually available. I mean, it, was, it always existed. It's just in the past because of the threat of of, um, of jail sentence. Parties didn't really wait that long. They'd actually, you know, they actually would pay so that they don't spend time in jail. And now um, all of these cases will have to go to the civil court. But going back mm. to the listener's question, he said there's, it's it's taking time uh, for uh, for the police, and ultimately the police is not the the final arbiter in these kind of cases. Yeah. It has to go to the prosecutor, and then the prosecutor has to take it to the criminal court, and then you have to wait for the criminal judgment from the criminal court that's saying, yes, this person actually has bounced check, and um, and, and now he owes yeah. you, know, the, the, you uh, this amount. And then with that criminal court judgment, then you go to civil court, and it's a much easier case because you don't have to prove anything yeah. because the criminal – the judgment from the criminal court is already prima facie or – or proof um, that you are owed that money. Mm -hmm. So it's a much faster uh, course of action than if you were just filing a civil case for money.
4: Just kind of on a speculatory um, line, because the texter said the account has been closed, there could be a possibility that this person has left the UAE if the account is closed. So what would happen? Is there anything they can do? In the, on that front,
2: oh, well, there are several things about that. One is, um, if the account is closed, it's not to say that that particular person mm-hmm. does not necessarily have other assets yeah. in, in the UAE. Because with a check, and as long as it's a check against an individual or from an individual's account and not a company's account, then the individual is personally liable for that amount of money, uh, whether it comes from that bank account or any other bank account. Especially the, with the civil court judgment, uh, it basically, it's, it's any assets that there may be attached to the person's name mm-hmm. um, are. Seizable in order to cover this judgment. So it's just the person having left is not necessarily a determinable fact in okay. this case. If, if there are some assets behind it, now so that's one. Two is um, if um, if the person left, it's you can it's still. Helps to have a judgment because, in the event the person comes back, and Mm -hmm. let's face it, Dubai is one of those places, or the UAE is one of those places, once you're here, it's (laughs) it's really difficult to to leave. And many people leave and then come back and continue to come back. So, in most cases, what we've seen people thinking, okay, well, somebody has left, but sooner or later, many people return. So, if you have a judgment, an unpaid judgment, uh, then it does become a criminal offence and that therefore that person, whenever he or she returns into the UAE, they will still be held viable. So it's still better to have a judgment yep. if it's obviously for a significant amount uh, than, it's, than not to have one because then you certainly have no recourse. Okay,
0: Okay. we have a telephone call for Ludmilla as well. Someone else that wants to remain anonymous. This is all about an employer holding someone's passport. Hi, do you want to uh, ask Ludmilla your question? Yeah. Okay, what's your question for Ludmilla?
1: Uh, uh, my question is how to get back, back my passport mother, mom and then uh, she denied it in the front of the police already. I want to continue to to recover my passport.
2: Uh, so if, how? So so to clarify, are you are you a domestic employee?
1: No, I'm a
2: receptionist in the company. Okay, and who has your passport? Who did you give it to? Don't say the company yeah, name, uh, just say your but, employer. Uh, yeah, it's, it's a yeah. company or your employer, right?
1: My employer is, uh, or or her PRO, uh, Rika, mm-hmm, she's holding my passport, even from the beginning, to to stamp for everything needed for to have my Emirates ID, madam.
2: Sure. Okay. And so you said they were, you have already reported this to the police, and the employer made a statement to the police that they do not have your passport. Is that yeah. right?
1: Yeah,
2: yeah. Uh, okay well that um it's surprising but generally speaking it's uh, i mean you're correct to have done what you've done which is to report uh, to the police because the, the no one in this country other than official government Authorities or representatives have the right to hold a passport because a passport is considered to be property of of the country that issues it, and not even the per- property so much of the person who um, to whom it belongs. Yeah. So, therefore, it is actually illegal for anyone to hold the passport, and that's just and that's across the board. That practice is often practiced, no matter what, as is, is your yourself have um, demonstrated. Uh, but it is illegal. So, I would just say it is best uh, to continue to work with the police because in most cases we have seen that the police uh, will, uh, well, I mean, it's, they, they, it's been successful and because they've been very effective in, uh, in making sure that the, the the employer actually gives up the passport. Uh, so in your case, I would just say if that's yeah. you know if, you, if you've lost the passport, then just file a criminal if you believe well, you know obviously that you have given the passport to your employer. so just file a criminal case against the employer because what you've done so far you've just complained to the police. that does not really uh, yet uh, make that complaint an official complaint for the for the police to take it further. Um, So they probably tried to talk to the employer, and the employer said, I don't have it, and um, so it kind of ended on that. But so what you need to do now, because basically there's been theft, right? You have had your passport stolen, uh, so, what you yeah. want to do is you want to file a criminal case with the police, and because it's a criminal case, it will not cost you any money. Uh, you just yeah, need to uh, make a, you'll need to make a statement to the police that um, your passport has been stolen and and give the details of whom, but make sure that you file a proper case, uh, not just uh-huh. um, have them call your employer because often that's what happens. And then with that, um, they will. Um, you will have to pro- provide the details, who you gave your passport to, and and the more details you can provide, the better. If you have any witnesses, for example, if there are other employees at the company uh, whose passport... Yeah, no, we are five, Mom. We are yeah. five... So that will be very helpful that will be helpful, so mm-hmm. I think all five of you can basically just make those statements uh, or can um, you can, you can offer those um, people as, also as witnesses, um, and then mm-hmm. it becomes a criminal matter and I will tell you as long as you keep pushing it through the police it you, you will prevail because it is it is illegal on, on mm-hmm. all fronts, and the authorities will respond. you just need to make sure. To be determined and to do it the right way, where you don't just walk away with a phone call, where you actually make sure that you get a, a, a file a file number or case number, uh, i.e., where okay. a, an official case has been opened. And sometimes, if the police is. Uh, um, is, is, is reluctant to do this for whatever reason, you can go to the prosecutor uh, directly and you can file the same claim with the prosecutors because normally what happens, the police will take the original case and they will forward it on to the prosecutor. But you can also skip the police and go straight to the prosecutor uh, and then file yeah, the case we go through them. To,
1: we go straight to the prosecutor already. We file like 100 dirhams to, to them, but uh, when we go to the police station, they, they, they said that go to the police station, and the police station is calling the, the, the employer, and the employer denied it. And after that, um, we don't know what to do next, because uh, they said only in the paper that uh, you have to lose passport if ever the employer will not give the passport.
2: Yeah, well, it's, it's a criminal case. There's yeah. been theft. So you just need to keep working through the criminal channels because the authorities will eventually uh, will um, act on it because there's been a theft and the theft of a very, very valuable document. So you just need to make okay. sure you need to be patient and you need to, to make sure to go and follow up and follow up and follow up and make sure you actually have a case number because often yeah, the police can be quite overwhelmed and busy. So it's really important that you, um, you probably also help to bring somebody who's an Arabic speaker, Mm-hmm. Uh, just to make sure that your, your request is, is clearly understood.
0: Yeah. Best of okay. luck. Um, but you're doing the right thing, as Miller says, just continue to be persistent. But best of luck. Thanks for calling. Thank you, mom you're listening to Drive Live. Our guest on Legal is Ludmilla Yamanova from Yamanova and Pleska. A couple of questions we're going to try and squeeze in and a topic before the show finishes. So we'll start with the one about uh, consolidation of property. I mean, you have the details of that there.
4: Yeah, so we've got an anonymous texter who said, I have a set of five off-plan properties with a developer here and had requested to consolidate uh, them all into one due to financial struggles in financial uh, financing after recent uh, loss of sources of income. But the developer a developer states that no consolidation is allowed. How can I get this resolved legally?
2: I'll tell you, it's not simple um, because ultimately what you're asking is to terminate a contract uh, prematurely. And that is you've signed... Um Presumably, five contracts for five uh, off-plan properties um, that, um, under which you promise to pay x amount of money, m- amount of money for a certain period of time, and so now you're asking, you say, well, I can't actually comply with the obligation, so can you please terminate the contract and offer me a different contract? So you can do that, but legally speaking, you, you're not really in a strong position because. Um, Unless, and I will come back to the unless, just because you you are asking for to to, to, the, to terminate the contract early, so the developer, when the developer says it's not allowed, well, it's a developer's policy, uh, but legally speaking, it's they're correct because unless they it makes sense for them to allow consolidation, uh, legally they're not required to to offer this to you, unless, as I said before, unless, for example they have breached uh, part of their obligation as well. And that is, let's say, if they were supposed to deliver the properties five years ago and and uh, uh, if had they delivered it back then, then you would have been able to comply with your obligations. And, and But now, at this point in time, uh, because it's been delayed, uh, you have not been able – and your circumstances have changed, so therefore you're not able to comply. So if there's that unless uh, that brings you back to, okay, well, the developer actually breached first – then you can legitimately uh, argue that the developer had a breach first, and therefore you're not required to um uh, to comply with your side of obligation uh, and um and, and 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 negotiate on that basis now negotiating once again, it's really just left to the parties to uh, between the parties if if they can uh, figure out some sort of an alternative arrangement in and by the sound of of what you said about the developer, it doesn't sound like the developer is interested in offering an alternative arrangement, so therefore your only recourse will be to go to court and ask the court to um, uh, to either, you know, you either uh, terminate the contract uh, for whatever reason or you argue that the developer had a breach first and therefore now you want the court to terminate the contract and refund you all the money that you have paid. It depends on the different legal arguments you can present. Uh, so but unfortunately unless the developer is willing to to, to um, uh, settle with you then your only recourse is, is the court and the the only other recourse depending on how much you paid because going to court will cost you money and it will take time uh, depending on how much you paid is you can always walk away um, from what you have um, paid. So you kind of need to do the commercial analysis of what makes more sense, but certainly in the meantime, continue to negotiate because we have seen developers come around and ultimately offer uh, consolidation as, as time passes.
0: Okay, final question for you, Ludmilla. This uh, text says, I'm from Sharjah, and while vacating my apartment, I've been charged 900 dirhams. This is for a repainting of a two-bedroom apartment. It's a very simple off-white colour, often is, and I think uh, it's too much what they've charged. Um, The contract I have doesn't seem to mention it in Sharjah. Where do I stand on uh, where do I stand with this? I think the 900 is too expensive. My contract doesn't seem to um, mention any detail about the repainting.
2: Uh, Well, I mean, first of all, the landlord can only legitimately expect for you to pay for repainting if it was uh, contractually agreed on. Uh, So if there's nothing in the contract that uh, obligated you to repaint it... Then, well, you're not responsible for this additional charge. Now, if there is a, a mention in the contract, but it doesn't really talk about the value uh, of that repainting, then it becomes a su- subjective exercise. Which you know, what so what is the actual reasonable value for repainting this? Uh, and then, obviously, uh, th- then in that case, a request from the landlord the receipts for the payment of the uh, of the apartment. And, um, you know, there should be a receipt. And if there isn't a receipt, then you don't have to pay without a receipt. Uh, But obviously making a receipt these days is not so difficult. So if there is a receipt, you can always just object to paying the full amount. Uh, I'm presuming that there is a deposit from which they're trying to – Uh, to subtract this amount, and that makes it much more difficult to uh, negotiate because if if you're required to pay this, then you can kind of negotiate back and forth that it was too expensive or there was uh, not uh, clear proof um, or it was unnecessary. Uh, But if what they're doing is trying to offset it from the deposit, then your only recourse is to basically go to, to court and claim that you have been unreasonably... Uh, asked to pay this excessive amount. Uh, But the problem with, if it's coming out of your deposit, then the value of the deposit is even less. And uh, in most cases, tenants find it commercially just not sustainable uh, for them to file cases for the refund of the deposit. So in practical terms it may be difficult for you to justify it, to take this uh, or formal uh, course of action but if it's just if you're being asked to pay out of your own pocket then and you don't believe that it's in the contract or you're obligated to do so then just put the burden on the landlord and let them uh, take the formal action to pursue you for the for the excess.
0: Okay, we did get through all our questions. Well done, Ludmilla. That was a lot to get through today. And that's all we've got time for. Ludmilla will be back next week if we are on air for Drive Live Talks Legal. Ludmilla, for now, thank you so much.
2: Always a pleasure. Thank you. There's just so much more to hear.
1: Download our podcast at Dubai 1038.com.